So our scripture today is found in a responsive reading. If you would please stand with me and turn to hymn 476. I will read the faint print. Please read the bold response. This is taken from Colossians 3. Our focus is primarily on the last few verses, but today's message almost seems to insist that we read this scripture together. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let us pray. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. Articulate your heart through my voice to your people. Let the transformation of our lives be wrought thoroughly by the Holy Spirit in response to your truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to remind you today of our vision of what one anothering means. If we want to be like Jesus, we have to do life the way Jesus did. For our series, we are exploring how we can give whatever we are learning. Today, that is discipling. And how we can receive whatever we are learning about. And how Jesus was our example. Last week, we talked about caring for one another. We talked about the way in which Jesus models one anothering in grief and illness throughout the gospel, but in particular through the verse from Lazarus' resurrection that describes his powerful grief. John 11:35, Jesus wept. I'll remind you that we studied encouraging one another the week before that. And we close that week's message with the promise from John 16:33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And these words, which are an encouragement, a reminder of the victory we have in Christ, are a reminder that no matter what you face today, your life in Christ holds the promise of a victorious finish, resting in the arms of Jesus for eternity. 
Well, this week's message changes direction considerably. Our verses this morning talk about letting the word of Christ dwell in us so that we can teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. That's a very pretty way of saying that if you know the word of God, you know that there are things that fit with it and things that do not. And the more you focus on the things Jesus said and did, and the ways in which the Old Testament helps us anticipate the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, and the ways in which Jesus' life and death and resurrection impact us, the more you live in that space, the more you can more completely have the wisdom necessary to help your brothers and sisters in Christ do the same. John Wesley, who launched the Methodist Church through revivals and preaching throughout England, had a few things to say about what our lives in Jesus should look like. If you hang around the Church of the Nazarene very long, you should hear that we are a holiness church. That means that we believe, just like the scripture today said, that we can live holy lives. Wesley defines holiness as living out a perfect love. So before you think that that means that you live a life that doesn't ever make mistakes, back up the truck. We all make mistakes. There are times when we do things that we shouldn't do. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, as holiness people, we believe that we are quickly corrected about those things and that we desire to do differently. Wesley had a way of kind of helping us pinpoint those things in our lives. He emphasized the formation of bands, which were basically two or three people with whom you were supposed to be completely honest. And you got together every single week, not at church, but in different meeting settings, and you would pray for one another and you would ask each other five questions. And you would all ask each other and answer each other all of these questions. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to do this. I want to be very clear about that. But I want you to think about what it would mean for you to answer these questions to someone else as I say them. Or to hear someone else answer them to you. What known sins have you committed since our last meeting? Ooh, that's tricky. What temptations have you met with? How were you delivered? In other words, how did you not succumb to those temptations? What have you thought, said, or done of which you doubt whether it be sin or not? In other words, what are the things that you might have, that might have happened that you are not quite sure if they were really the right thing? And have you nothing you desire to keep secret? In other words, is there something you're not telling us? <laughs> so after all of that, you get to the end of that list and then there's one more that says, 
All right, now tell us all the rest, right? These were questions that were required every week, and it is because of this method that Wesley followers became known as Methodists. I don't know if you knew that. That's your little history lesson for the week. And these seem like really hard questions to ask and to answer. I really don't want to hear your answer to any of those questions. That would be really hard. But the understanding in this group was not only that you would ask them, but you would also answer them. And if everyone was honest, everyone had something to share and something to hear. And the only response to anyone sharing was a simple prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Now I'm going to tell you that they were not doing that in the same way as a priest gives absolution in a confessional. Instead, what they were doing was they were saying, there's no judgment here. We're not judging you. We're giving you an opportunity to hear and for us to say the words that Jesus himself would say to you. And a reminder that the sin that you have confessed doesn't belong to you anymore because grace has covered it. Now, if you think those five questions were a challenge, Wesley also had questions that he asked. You didn't have to answer them out loud, but they were part of the small groups. And you would go to the small groups and answer these 21 questions that would help you figure out the answer to the little five questions. So I'm, going to, I'm not going to read all 21, but um, I, I may pick some that, um, yeah. All right, there's 21 of them. Imagine hearing these every week in, am I consciously or unconsciously creating the impression that I am better than I am? In other words, am I a hypocrite? Am I honest in all my acts and words, or do I exaggerate? Am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? Did the Bible live in me today? Ooh. Do I pray about the money I spend? Do I disobey God in anything? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? Am I proud? Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold resentment toward, or disregard? And if so, what am I going to do about it? This one was really hard for me to read this week. Do I grumble and complain constantly? 
Wow. The last question, is Christ real to me? These were questions that every single week as a part of the small group they would ask. They didn't answer them out loud, but they would ask them as a way to narrow down their answers to the other five. So if you went through this list, and I didn't read all 21, there's more. I'm sure we could all find one somewhere. There's something on that list that probably you could say, you found maybe a moment in your life that that was happening. The good news is this. You are forgiven in Christ Jesus. The better news is this, that as you think about those things and as you recognize those things and as you desire to not do those things, the more and more that desire takes control of you, the more and more you are finding your way in love, and that means that you are becoming more and more holy. That's only possible through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. It's part of why we come together every week is so that we can know the transformation that the Holy Spirit has for us so that we can share it together, that we can work together on understanding who we are in Christ and drawing closer to him. And I am not going to suggest that we do these two exercises on a regular basis here and now. Although I do have to wonder what might happen if we did. What might happen if I myself, just me, not any of you, spent time answering those 21 questions about myself every single week? How might that help change how I do something the next week? And then on top of it, if I had someone else I had to go and confess that to, how would that change what I do? In Wesley's lifetime, this practice led to a revival that swept through Europe and into North America. It led to the formation of at least five denominations, including our own. And it has been the foundation of countless transformation stories ever since. We live in times where sometimes even the idea of being self-critical is a challenge. You don't wanna feel guilty. But this is not about being self-critical for the purpose of inducing guilt. Instead, this is about understanding who you are in Christ enough to let go of the shame that would hold you back. Shame forces us to keep our sins hidden. Shame doesn't let us share them. Guilt keeps them locked up inside. But the grace we have from Christ gives us the freedom to confess what would otherwise keep us chained to our sinfulness. And it gives us the ability to hear how someone else responds to that as well. 
That's part of the discipling one another piece of this. It's part of the admonishing one another piece of this. And if you want to know how Jesus thinks about what we should do in being transformative to each other, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 17. I'm just going to read it for you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus tells us that we are intended to be salt. And in the time when Christ lived, and still true now, salt was primarily used for keeping things from being rotten. We are intended to preserve each other. To work together with each other to find the things that we need to adjust. We're light. We're meant to shine light on dark spaces. To reveal the hidden things, the desperate things, by being part of the solution. When we think about the word in Colossians that says, admonish. It seems to sound like it's meant to criticize someone for their sinfulness or call out something that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing that they need to fix. And there's a nugget of truth to that. But really, admonish is a warning. Admonish is like yelling at your kids as they're about to run into the middle of the street and saying, hey, stop. Admonish is different. Instead of saying, you're a gossip. You're a cheater. You're a liar. It says, maybe we should talk about something else since Pat isn't here. Are you 100% sure that that's completely true? Have you thought about how being faithful might be a better choice for you? Do you see the difference between those two kinds of phrasing? One is all about calling you out. One is all about excluding you. The other is about drawing you closer helping you figure out how to do better the next time, how to, go, how to do better going forward. It's a difference of method, not meaning, but it matters. Christians should help each other by warning each other of places where they are on thin ice, not pushing them through it. We have to hang on to the kindness and generosity and grace that are part of who we are. 
Discipling one another is about helping each of us to reflect Christ more completely wherever we are. And as we celebrate the table every week during this series, there is a collective profession of faith that we do. And there is a collective confession that is included in our prayer of initiation. Prior to you coming and receiving, part of our prayer is a confession. Today, as we pray and proceed through the communion liturgy, I hope that you will think about the 21 questions that Wesley asked. Think about how you might answer them and be prepared to turn them all over, to receive communion as a fresh start today, to receive communion as a way to let them go, and to hear Jesus say to you, you are forgiven. You do not have to hold those things. My grace has covered them. We are celebrating communion every week during our series on one anothering because it is through breaking bread together with each other at the table of Christ that we see most clearly our unity through him. As we take this meal, we receive grace. It is a meal that reflects on our baptism that reflects on our walk with Christ. And it is a meal that celebrates who Christ is and what he's done for us. instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins and believing in Christ for salvation, are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. Let us confess our faith together. In unity with the church, we confess our faith. And so we pray. Holy God, we come before you in humility, for we do not live as we ought, 
We do not love you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We do not love our neighbor as ourselves. So we pray in all humility that you will change our hearts and minds, that you will show us again how to love others the way you love us, that you will put power and courage in our hearts to do your will. We gather at this your table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established the new covenant for forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope of his coming again. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these your gifts. Make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I would ask you to stand now. In a moment, I will break the bread and I will bless the cup. I will ask you to come forward and at that time, you will open your hands like this and be ready to receive communion in your hand. You will then dip it in the juice and you may take it. You will return to your seat and you can sit down until everyone has partaken and then we will stand for the closing prayer and the benediction. This is the body of Christ, broken for you. May it preserve you blameless until... Everlasting life. 
This is the blood of Christ. May it shed for you. May it preserve you blameless until a everlasting life. I'll ask you to come forward. Please stand together for the closing prayer and the benediction. Almighty and ever-living God, we thank you that you graciously feed us. We who have duly received these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ, by this you assure us of your favor and goodness towards us. We are incorporated into the mystical body of your Son, the blessed company of all faithful people. We are heirs through hope of your everlasting kingdom by the merits of Christ's precious death and passion. Assist us with your grace, Heavenly Father, that we may continue in that holy fellowship and walk in goodness the way you have prepared for us through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit 
be all honor and glory, now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Please open your hands and your hearts to receive the blessing. May the presence of Christ that you have known today be with you through the rest of the week. May you always recognize the abundance of God's grace, love, and mercy in your life, and thankfully and joyfully spend it on those around you who need it most. May you never forget that you are loved, and because he loved you, you can love those around you. You have been to church. Now, go be the church. You are dismissed. Hang on one second.